Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You know, it's important that everybody knows that anyone can change. Um, there isn't a person on this planet who cannot uh, get clean and sober. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast. I speak with those who have taken the darkest times of their lives and share their stories to educate, motivate, and inspire others to be their best self. That's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. I'm your host, Jason. I accepted that I'm powerless against alcohol, and in my sobriety, I've confronted my unaddressed childhood and adult trauma, as well as severe anxiety and depression. My guest on this episode of the Knocking Doors Down podcast, Caitlin Kellerhalls. We dig into various traumas of his childhood and the depths his addiction took him. Caitlin and his beautiful wife are the founders of Green Thumb Naturals, a CBD company, and albeit not my path to recovery, it's rather incredible how he turned his life around and from the depths of despair built himself a very purposeful life, and that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. If you want to find out more about what Kalen is doing, click the links in the podcast description for Green Thumb Naturals. If this is your first time listening, please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and please subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. All the links are in the description. We couldn't do knocking doors down without 5150 LTM. If you want some cool hats, shirts, sweatshirts, maybe some sweatpants, I've got my favorite camouflage 5150 sweatpants on right now. Head on over to the store and check it out by going to 5150LTM.com or click the link in the podcast description. Then at checkout, use the code KDD20. That's KDD20 and get 20% off your entire order. Kaylin Kellerhalls, thanks for uh, joining me here in the studio, man. My pleasure, bro. Thank you so much for having us up. Yeah, we're going to be talking, of course, uh, Green Thumbs about CBD because I really wanted to educate myself. We were exchanging some messages. So you've been throwing that there, but of course, through that, you know, sharing that how it's helped you through your recovery. And we want to kind of break some of the the stigmas, misconceptions, and yeah. everything else down right now. But uh, I got, I think, a good place to start to let people know what really was, you know, we were joking beforehand, or I think it's funny, the uh, my drug of choice, like yeah. we had a choice, but what yeah. what did you fall into that, that, you know, led you to where you are now, obviously, through recovery and helping other people? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, you know, for me, I got into a car accident uh, when I was 22 years old and uh, rear-ended somebody at about 55 miles an hour mm. and uh, they were at a dead stop. And so um, went to the doctor, uh, doctor prescribed Vicodin, uh, Norco 10. Mm. Um, pretty sure that's what they gave me at that time and uh, kind of finished the bottle and was like, yo, like my body still needs this, you know, um, and called the, the hospital back up to try and get a refill because I was still in pain. And uh, they told me no. And I was like, what? Like, uh, I need more medicine, you know? And they're like, yeah, no, we don't. Uh, we're not going to. This is just a one time prescription. And I was like, oh, wow. Huh. But I was still in pain. Right. So uh, at that time, uh, I was. Uh, working in the mall I was selling women's shoes um, <laughs> hey two women's shoes yeah. salesman 
Okay. <laughs> I did. Where did you work at? Uh, God, well, it wasn't Van Heusen. I'm trying to think of the name of it. It was. This was in the Monterey area. Okay, but yeah, okay. I worked in a women's shoe store. Yeah, yeah. I was in Macy's in Fresno at okay. a fashion fair mall. But, um, and at that time, I had a, a buddy there. You know, uh, that you know he was into pills, and so, you know, I told him the the situation and uh he was like well i got i got this lady for you bro uh mm. she's got him and so went and went and met this lady uh this older lady in her late 50s early 60s uh and at this time i mean this was at the beginning of the opioid epidemic you right. know we're talking early uh well i guess it was about 2005 2006 ish sure. uh but they were still you know prescribing like candy at that point and so this lady had multiple doctors, so she was getting multiple scripts and, uh, you know, started out on, you know, the oxy uh, 40s. And then, you know, next thing, you know, she got a doctor to give her the 80s. And so, yeah, when I when I started, I was getting uh, oxy 80s for 20 bucks a pop. That's that's what it was. Uh, so you literally. The, how, so I'm guessing maybe as a month long prescription <laughs> that you got initially. Yeah, I mean probably 30 pills sure um which you know for me like I'm, I'm assuming i took them probably faster than a month right maybe that's why they didn't give them back to me <laughs> I, I have no idea but maybe <laughs> i called back huh? after a week and took a month's supply i was like i need more and they're like right. yeah no not this guy but that's crazy but, that dependency was that quick oh yeah you. totally yeah and and like we were talking about earlier you know i lived a pretty um straight straightforward life well we we actually haven't talked about my upbringing and stuff like yeah, that right which right. is very interesting yeah but uh i didn't do drugs at all in high school didn't smoke weed didn't Not, didn't do anything me either didn't drink alcohol till i was out of high school and so lived a pretty clean and sober life for the most part but at 22 when i found vicodin i was wow. like oh this is it you know this is the one that that makes me feel good yeah and yeah. so because like then, I, we were we were joking about or not joking per se, but talking. It, is, it seems to me that with opioids, it's one of the only addictions that I'm finding through conversations of people that like. No, I had a pretty normal childhood. No, no big traumas of any kind. But that the people are getting crazy hooked on that. This yeah. is, this becomes their addiction. Like I was telling you, right. a football player that good family supportive family mom and dad all there but not until he started to compile injuries and then that, yep. that was a solution at the time you know it's, it's crazy to me that it was that quick for you yeah i mean it really was and you know from from there and the reason it was it was so quick right is because i couldn't get it from the doctor so right. i went to work told my buddy who had the the pill lady and then from there like she just made it so accessible that it was like right. you know I, I went right from the anorco 10 to an oxy 40 and then to an oxy 80 within you know a 60 day period of time you know and at that point like i was gone man like you know and i opiates for me like yes they made me feel great physically but they also really allowed me to escape the the mental sure. pain and the mental guilt and the the mental trauma that i was experiencing i you know when i was on that i wasn't you know i was nodding out bro like i wasn't i yeah. was i was warm and fuzzy i wasn't worried about all the stuff that i had experienced in life you know it was a sure. way for me to kind of black out to a certain extent to the pain and and uh anxieties and things that i had inside and uh yeah it's always a trip as i i remember having a um talk with a guy at a meeting one time and he was uh you know what, what what were you trying to escape and and it, for me i felt like no i had become so numb for me i was whereas numb it was like eh, booze and whatever was the only way i was feeling anything at that time otherwise i was just always depressed and yeah you know numb to everything but it, right yeah that still trips me out that that progression so quick for you but let let's then talk about what was it that you were trying to numb out get away from what was childhood because yeah you know i was like you i didn't you know grew up in a home of an of addiction and yeah. uh, other stuff but i didn't really start touching things till early 20s you know at period yeah for me um you know i i have great parents uh love my parents to death um and we have a great relationship today so i want to just you know start out by saying that sure um, I'm an only child, um, so my mom had two miscarriages, mm -hmm. uh, one before me and one after, 
And so, um, you know, I ended up being the one and only, you know, and so, which, um, you know, a lot, of, a, lot of, love. Yeah, a lot of people are like, lucky you, dude, like you're so lucky, you know, but me, you know, I didn't necessarily feel that way, you know? And so because I never had brothers and sisters, I've always like really looked to have close friendships and, you know, people who are my close friends, you know, I call those people brother. Right. Hey brother, you know, what's going on brother? How you doing brother? Because, you know, I feel like, and I've just recently figured this out subliminally. I want to have that brotherhood, that sisterhood, that connection to family so bad that I don't have that I'm, you know, I've been looking for it in other relationships, but, um, so yeah, only child, um, my parents brought me up in a church and, um, that would be a independent fundamental Baptist church. So, um, you know, we're, we're talking about a, you know, a Christian church, but one that is uh, one that particular um, culture of Christianity is known for being, uh, you know, what you would call the far right, you know, just right. way far right. Um, and their views on uh, their views on life and, and on, you know, what God wants us to do is, is very um, narrow minded and uh, it's very, um, Uh, based on what you do and so you know i was brought up with you know uh having a very stringent set of of standards to follow and um you know i had to toe the line with you know being a um being what the church told my parents that a kid needed to be right and so you know they you know just have to you know you have to do this you have to do that you know uh, i went to christian school um so private school um i graduated high school with two other people um two i, I was i was a valid victorian that's always the joke right like um but but yeah very sheltered growing up you know and my right. parents uh you know we went to church sunday morning sunday night uh wednesday night or thursday night rather um and then i had christian school you know um, all week long, we had chapel service every day. Um, and then, you know, we would serve, uh, we would do ministry work after hours on the weekends, going out, knocking on people's doors and things like this, right. Trying to, um, to evangelize, you know, uh, our faith and, um, and for the record, I, I still am a Christian and, and I still have that faith. However, um, it, it's not like they told us growing up and uh, it just, it just isn't that that's not how, um, a lot of things work. And so it took me a long time of, of getting out of it right. and running away from it all to kind of understand. But, um, but yeah, my, my parents had very high expectations of me growing up and, and they wanted me to, um, they wanted me to do God's will. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. What God's will was what I was told is that we would all serve God in full-time Christian service, full-time Christian ministry. Right. And so, you know, as a 14, 15, 16 year old youth, you know, I, I feel in my heart because that's what all these preachers and all these other people in my life are telling me that I have to serve God with my whole life, like full-time ministry. I have to be either a pastor or a missionary to another country, or, you know, I have to, I have to serve God in that way. And, and if I'm not willing to do that, then I really don't love God. Right. I really don't, it, you know, I don't feel about him so the way that I say. to feel like a shame, guilt. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, and I, my best friend, you know, he was a few years older than me. And he, um, you know, 
he was doing all of that, you know? And so like, I was trying to follow in his footsteps and I was trying to please my parents, right? And, and do what was quote unquote right for me, um, you know, and following the authority, you know, the big on authority and following that, you know, what your authority says to do. And, and you know, there's, there's a certain realm of, of listening to your authority. I, I believe that to be good, but, yeah. uh, but allowing your authority to dictate your life and for them to tell you what you're supposed to do with your life, that is not healthy. Yeah. And so, uh, that's kind of how I was brought up, man. Like my, my grandfather was an evangelist. My uncle was a missionary. And so it was kind of like, you know, you are going to be the next business. Yeah. You know, that's, this is what you're going to do. This is what God wants you to do. And, um, you know, I was, uh, under, under that teaching for so long that I, that I really believed that that was what God wanted me to do at that time. You know, I didn't know anything else. And so, you know, I was brought up teaching and preaching and, you know, going out and talking to people. And so I knew how to do all that stuff. I knew how to look the part, you know, um, like I was telling you, I could sing. So they put me in like the, I went to Bible college after high school. And so I actually studied for two years to be a pastor. And that's uh, from 18 to 20 years old. And so right. they sent me out on the, uh, on the uh, tour group is what they called it. And so I was, uh, I sang lead, uh, which is melody basically. I sang right. the melody and uh, sang in 35 states representing the college that I went to. And so we would go to these different churches and try to recruit the, the youth that were in high school there to come to this college. Uh, college is called West Coast Baptist College. Okay. So just for uh, anybody listening. For relevance, that, uh, maybe that somebody like else to, that was there. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So you had, this was a total just, this was your paradigm. This was the way in which you were to think. So were you struggling with that? That was it. A, I, this isn't what I want to do, or B, I can't live up to this, or a combination thereof. Yeah. I mean, were you just not like? Were you miserable? I yes. Okay. Yeah, I was miserable for sure because like, I knew that. I knew that I couldn't, like you said, live up to. Um, what they were asking us to do like nobody can live up to that like literally nobody you know and so and then also like i just i'm at that age i wanted to be real yeah i didn't want to be what everybody else wanted me to be i just wanted to be real to who i was and at that time like you know i did my freshman year after my freshman year, I traveled with a little singing group. And then um, my I did my sophomore year. Well, my sophomore summer, I didn't travel. I stayed there and decided to just work my job through the summer that I had down in Lancaster. And uh, I was working at um, Sam's Club. Oh, and yeah, so yeah. there was a couple dudes there um, and they loved me. Um, their names were Ramon and Viren. <laughs> and they called me Rev K. What's up with it, Rev? What's popping with you, Rev? Hey, you gonna come out with us tonight, Rev? Come on, bro. What's good with you? You know, and they they loved me, and so like I started going out with Ramon and Viren, and so they they took me to some house parties and and to some clubs, and sure. they taught me how to dance and you know all this stuff, and I was kind of wiling out, you know, for the first time <laughs> in my life, like while. At, during the summer at Bible college, you know, right. I was literally like, you know, just starting to drink and like I was coming home and pulling up like, like at our Bible college. Okay. Like in order to be off campus, you had to have a signed permission slip from the Dean of men. If you were off campus past 10 PM, oh, then you had wow. to have permission or be working to be off campus. If you came, like when you came back on campus, you had to pass the guard shack and the guards would be there and and you would have to pull up like a drive-through window and tell them, hey, I was here, I was doing this with this person and I'm getting home at this time and write it down like on a little clipboard. That's gnarly. And so, yeah, but like, you know, I would literally like, you know, come back and I would be drunk, you know, (laughs) like pulling back up to the college and, you know, these dudes would, you know, they, they knew what was up, but like and then you know before i knew it it was time to go back to college and start my junior year and i was just like you know what like this like how am i supposed to like here i am you know i'm I'm studying to be this like holy minister of god's word and yet you know i'm out here 
um, enjoying life, right. quote unquote, for the first time, getting getting to be me, right. getting to be real, and and do what I wanted to do. It was like the first freedom that I had ever found, right? And so, in a real attempt to find connections that you wanted to find, not not the ones that were created for you so to speak yeah. kind of what i hear like you gravitate towards these guys it was like you know yeah we dig you come on come and yeah chill out on, this yeah. is what this we okay we get what you do come and hang out with what we do exactly and it was like it was the first time in my life that i had ever just been a normal person i guess sure and so um for that reason you know i didn't go back to school um i decided to call it call it quits on uh, on bible college and um you how'd know, that go over with mom and dad oh they were devastated man i mean you know they yeah. they didn't have any clue really right. um i i didn't let them have any clue you know and so i just called them up and told them i was coming home and and it was just like you know their whole world got flipped upside down so right. um yeah and uh moved back to fresno um got a got an apart or got got a room rented a room uh from from somebody here in town and uh got a job at uh what was i doing i was learning how to do cable for linkus communications <laughs> yeah, right yeah. Uh, it's interesting how we can have these things because i i wouldn't say i was sheltered my mom definitely took me for a lot of experiences but i wasn't the guy I can only think of like two high school parties that I ever went to, and okay. I drove like the drunk people home. And, yeah, yeah. You know, the girl that like, oh, Craig, you know, he wants me to sleep with him, but I'm not ready. Like, okay. okay, okay, Susie, I'll take you. Home, you know, I'll drive <laughs> right. you home. I'll make sure I'll, you know, whatever. Well, my parents are home. Okay, well, they're gonna figure this out anyways. We'll get you home. Right. So you know, for me, I and I think having had. Uh, I didn't see my dad ever use, but I definitely. In retrospect, like okay, he was high then, or whatever. Or I do yeah. remember some stuff of him being hung over when I was a kid. A very hardworking man too. Right. But yeah, I just kind of steered away from that. Then it was once really I got out into the college I graduated from, and then kind of met people, and I started working in radio real quick, and then okay. was out and about, and was like. Here, here's a shot. Here's a beer. And then I was like, "Oh man, everybody likes me. I'm making new friends. Here right. I am." Because yeah. I was a shy guy that you know. Uh, when I first went off to college, was in Arizona, and I had two friends, both that I had made prior to okay. even attending. You know, yep. so uh, it definitely changed for me. Like, oh wow, now I'm life of the party. People want me to come out. You yeah. Know? Uh, it, which is funny now because I've regressed like, oh, God, I don't want anyone to invite me anywhere. Right. <laughs> you know, even at the same yeah. time, I'm like, no one invites us anywhere. Wait a minute. I'm thankful no one invites us anywhere. I know, bro. I'm with you there on that. Are you? Yeah, no, I'm the same way. So, I I can't do – There's a, my wife will tell you. Um, I mean, it's very rare that we go into a restaurant and eat. Um, yeah. I don't I don't like to be around large groups of people. Um I will do it yeah. at times, but it's very difficult for me um, for whatever reason. Right. You know, I've also been diagnosed with PTSD, so um, I feel that that maybe my PTSD has something to do with the large groups of people, sure. stuff like that. I don't really know. Yeah, um, that more developed for me. Um, like we, girlfriend and I did a concert. We went and saw Kiss. Gosh, was it into last year? Maybe. Um, and I did okay with that for whatever reason, but certain settings, no, I don't like it. But what, where you said PTSD, what yeah. what do you think, or what occurred that, that you ended up with that diagnosis? Yeah, well, um, I think multiple things. Um, through uh, different uh, counseling that I've gone through here in this last year, um, you know, I, I made the, the realization that, um, that I had a, uh, a negative sexual experience at an early age. Mm. Um, I don't want to say that I was necessarily abused, sure. um, but there was definitely a, a, a negative, um, sexual experience for me at the age of around, you know, seven to eight years old. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I just realized happened within the last year, mm. um, so that's one thing um just 
you know, living the dope life for, you know, over a decade. Um, I mean, you know, I, I got to where, you know, I, I was a heroin addict, so, um, I was also addicted to meth, um, at different points. So I've been around a lot of different dope houses, a lot of different things, been in the streets at, you know, um, and you know, I've had friends get shot in the head. Um, Uh. and you know, run to the hospital to go check on them and, you know, just, just seeing a lot of different things, um, that honestly, like, um, it's just hard to even talk about some of the, some of the things. And so ability though. I know it's I know it's hard. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say what if. Go after it, grab it and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long hard road. That road you know is going to be tough but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. Maybe tell me your opinion on this. And I think because of when I really like and I can assess that I really started to drink or that it became a frequent thing. Normally about that age, about when our brain comes to maturation, you know, that 25, 26, uh, you know, I kind of look at back and wonder, was I drinking for as long as I did, which lasted, I guess, about 14 years before I really started to put any work in. Um, Was I starting to realize that these things had happened to me and I was bearing a lot of it down because I, like I think I told you, went through molestation yeah. as a kid, being exposed to pornography at a very young age, which is extremely detrimental. Thank goodness that's coming to light more and more um, about how negative it is, and hopefully parents are doing more to shield their children from from right. that. Um, but I, I wonder that. Do you ever wonder that too? That maybe those things were starting to creep out, and oh uh, yeah, you know, because it, we we don't we don't our brain doesn't deal with it but then this organ much like any other one becomes mature and all of a sudden things start to connect yeah yeah i mean i just knew that i was trying to i was trying to kill the pain of something yeah and you know when i was in my addiction and earlier on in my 20s like you you i guess some of the trauma and some of the reasons for why i was using was still so fresh that it was like i just I just want to use, I just want to be high. Like I don't want to feel normal Yeah. and like trying, like figuring out why I wanted to be inebriated so much, you know, for so long. Uh, yeah, it took me a lot of years to even get to the point where I figured out like, Oh, I'm doing this because I hate myself Yeah. and I hate myself for a lot of reasons, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so having to like untangle that spider web of like, you know, why do I hate myself, you know? And really working through that, you know, and what, like, why? Because I didn't do what I was quote unquote supposed to do. Sure. This is why I hate myself. I didn't live up to the standards that other people set for me. Right. And so because I didn't meet that standard that they had set, I, I feel like a failure or because that person did that to me, that makes me worthless. And so these are the, these are the lies that, that, you know, for me, that the devil will tell me to make me, you know, yeah. start down that slippery slope of just being like, you are worthless, bro. Like, look at you. Yeah like your parents are embarrassed of you, like you're not doing, um, you know, and and at a certain point that really was the truth. My parents were embarrassed of me. Sure. Um, and that was a reality. You, yeah, you worked out the reality that you were So I was like, okay, so well long. they're embarrassed of me, well then fuck this. Yeah. I'm gonna go out and get pills and I'm gonna get high and I am going to feel good. Yeah. 
I just want to feel good yeah. about myself, right? Yep. And I couldn't feel good about myself unless I got high. Yeah. So I like my brain, what, like I hadn't been able to separate the two. I was still like just so latched into that concept of that I was a failure because I didn't yeah. become a, you know, a, a minister of, of God right. at that time. Well, yeah, those stories we tell ourselves are really dangerous. Yeah. And I'm sure with the, the, you know, you, you being of service to other people in recovery, just, we hear it so many times and, and you nailed it. It's like, why do I hate myself so much? And I think that's the thing that every addict has to confront, no matter what type of addiction it is. I don't care if it's a chemical one, if it's gambling, sex, whatever it is, you have to confront that. There is a, you are, you are hating yourself yeah. when you are doing this. Yeah. There is something you just despise about what is inside you uh, or the actions thereof. Yeah. And ironically, much like yourself, I found I just dug myself into a hole to justify that, yeah, See all those sayings, you are worthless that you told you, yeah. you have proven it. Yeah. And it's the, the fucked up thing it become, we manifest it. Yeah. We manifest it. Yeah. But how did you then, what was the, the point for you of digging out? Like when did, when did you find like, I, like I'm, I've lost enough, I want yeah. a life. Like, you know, we, that, yeah. I guess a, a, a moment of clarity. Yeah. Uh, I've had a couple dig outs um that were kind of instrumental mm. um my first one my first one was in like 2009 um i guess i had been doing drugs for like a solid four or five years at that point and like my parents had uh you know they had made it to where i wasn't allowed to come to the house anymore um, and that's where like, you know, I, I couldn't, I was an addict so bad that I couldn't hold down a job anymore. I couldn't pay rent at my place anymore. Um, like I just wanted to get high. And so I started, you know, I was stealing from my parents, right. breaking into the back garage, stealing $30 worth of aluminum cans. You know, um, I stole my mother's, my grandmother's wedding ring, which she had passed down to my mom went and got broke in took that and i i'll never forget i i took that to the pawn shop and i got two oxy 40s for it that's what i got for that and i'll never i'll never forget it um i've tried to go back and find that ring yeah. it isn't there yeah. um but yeah that's you know uh so for those reasons you know my parents were like yeah you know we're gonna do this uh you're not allowed to be here and so for the first time in my life in my mid-20s i was out on the streets and i didn't have anywhere to go yeah. um my dope dealers you know they didn't even want to sell to me so you know that like to just let you know like what a piece of shit that i was at that time you know as far as like where my addiction had taken me down to just having no moral compass or, or values and um, I guess I want to correct what I just said because I called myself a piece of shit and um, I wasn't a piece of shit I was living like I was yeah. because of my wrong ways of thinking about myself yeah. so I, I do this a lot I, I say things and then I'm like held on like <laughs> that wasn't necessarily right so that. I need to because somebody that's in their addiction is never a piece of shit no and so I want to make sure that if there's somebody out there listening just because you're struggling with using that doesn't make you worthless it doesn't make you a piece of shit it makes you a normal human being and um, I just hope that that person who's listening right now would start to understand the value that they have. Um, and you know, like we were talking about, we all have value, right? We're here and, um, we have a, a great purpose, you know, for us to live our lives and, and, um, to impact those around us, you know, whether that just be our immediate family, whether it be, you know, people that we go to school with, work with, um, whatever, you know, um, we need more positivity, you know, yeah. in the world today. Yeah. <laughs> we need a lot more positivity in this world. If the news, if you believe the news, it's a, we're, we're going to hell in a handbag <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Which, <laughs> that's why I can't watch it anymore. Um, yeah. 
but no and you're right and i i think there are times we do have to catch our language and and correct ourselves and let people know that you know it's kind of like where i've heard people go oh that person is toxic no that person has toxic traits these are traits these are things that we can change uh, assuming there's not an extreme mental illness a personality disorder that is the personality yeah but even then those people can do the work to kind of catch themselves but uh i mean goodness i i can't imagine though in your sobriety how many people and just sharing what you share that you've affected in a positive way and a ripple effect that you don't even know yeah it's it's a trip it like is. uh it, to to be in a position where i'm positively in impacting and influencing the lives of those around me is really surreal um even to be here talking with you about this um in this really nice decked out (laughs) podcasting room you know like to talk about recovery that's affiliated with pain in some way shape or form which you know i uh it's interesting that i actually went to pain and we were talking about that a little earlier that organization was one that that was um you know helping me kind of work through some of the um mental health issues that I had in the very beginning. And, um, even at that time, uh, when did you, re- what, what was the experience for you then of actually finally getting clean? Did you return to a rehab or was it, uh, some white knuckling, some mm-hmm. meetings? What was it for you? Yeah. So like the end of that story is that I got really, really bad. Um, kind of like really, really lost myself and my parents knew that. And, uh, I think my dad actually came out there to visit me and he saw, you know, I was 140 pounds, um, super skinny. And, um, they approached me about, uh, coming back home, you know, and they were like, Hey, would you, would you consider coming back out here and, and, you know, giving it another try at coming home, (laughs) you know, which meant getting sober, cleaning up your life, you know? And, uh, I was like, okay, I, I knew that I couldn't, you know, I knew that out there I was going to end up dead. Sure. And I, you know, I had already had a Coke dealer out there, like beat my head into the pavement. Like I, uh, yeah, like I had had a bunch of traumatic stuff happen out there. And so I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't stay out here anymore. So ended up going back home. And, uh, that's, uh, when I met my wife and, um, so met her in, uh, may 2014 and uh met her at church and um we started started talking and um kind of uh she really liked me a lot and um i really liked her a lot she's off camera smiling she's starting to blush over here for those listening yeah we still got in the studio we still got all the good feelings don't we babe eight years later huh no but uh we we found each other and we both really needed each other um i definitely needed her more than she needed me in the beginning and um we just uh we just talked a lot and uh spent a lot of time together on the phone falling asleep at 2 3 a.m on the phone and um you know we were pretty inseparable so we met in would you say march may we met in may and we were engaged in august right Engaged by August. Okay. <laughs> she knows everything, bro. So, like, so got together in August. Like that's official couple. Boyfriend and girlfriend. And yeah. then got, got engaged. Engaged two months later. You're and, right. You uh, do go full gusto with everything, don't you? I do, it's bro. Like, I'm yeah. all in. Yeah, heck yeah. I knew when I met her, I was like, this is, you yeah. know, I had been engaged to, to two women previous to sure. her and those never worked out, luckily. Yeah. And I knew third time was a charm. Like this is it. And so I didn't want to. She was looking uh, for a real man. She was looking for the the real deal. Being so. serious, that's that's a good thing too. I think to yeah. state intentions. Like, yep. look, I'm not here just to have fun. My intentions are yeah. we're together, something you know, yep. long term. Not yeah. enough people are that f- clear with intentions. Yeah. So and so that was like just a a real um, beautiful thing that that happened for me. Like the first good relationship i really had sure. had ever been in in a long time and um she uh she taught me a lot about you know loving myself and and feeling 
worthy of love yeah. um that's you know? a tough one and, that uh, feeling worthy like she of was love. the first like person who loved me after i was like in my mind like because there there are things that i've done that i can't talk to you about like sure. there's there's stuff that that literally you know that i can't even i it's hard for me to even talk to a therapist about sure and so because of those things that i've done in my life um i have felt like such a worthless low down piece of trash yeah. because of of those actions and you know those actions that i have done in my life at certain points are a low down piece of trash actions you know and so i i just uh to to find somebody that loved me um after i i had done that um was just like unreal to experience i guess in real life and um you know she uh yeah so we we fell for each other we were head over heels got married um in february of uh, 2015 <laughs> february of 2015 i know we just celebrated seven years this last february so i know i'm doing good with that <laughs> eight years coming up but um but yeah she really uh she knew that i drank and so like when we first got married and, and previous to us getting married i never drank like i wasn't a drinker like in my hmm. addiction i just wanted to do dope right whatever dope that was coke heroin meth oxys whatever zannies give me that but as far as like drinking alcohol i wasn't really with that and but after i got married and like alcohol is the accessible drug right it's yeah. the drug everybody can get socially accessible. so i yeah. found it and i was like okay this i can do this drinking thing like this is actually not that bad right. like this is actually pretty you know and like when you first fall in love with alcohol like it, it is like it's such a bad deal um and uh i i fell for it hard so uh we got married and i'd started to develop a real bad drinking problem and uh, not only that you know i didn't have a job when she met me and so she had a job working for the county and so she had insurance and so it was like i i got on her insurance once we got married and then when i went to the doctors because i do like i do actually have legitimate pain mm -hmm. still to this day mm -hmm. i still have pain yeah i still need surgeries that i've never gotten because I don't want to have the surgeries and I don't want to be on pain medication. Yeah. So I would rather live with the pain I have than risk the pain of, you know, a worse surgery happening or getting back on opiates again, you yeah. know, so, but, um, so yeah, I, I went to the doctor and then, you know, because I am that perfect patient, they were like, yeah, here's, here's 90 morphine. Here's 91 milligrams Annie's and this should do you for a month, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll be good. You know, so now I got three, uh, what were they? No, I, uh, they were like, they were the high dose morphines, like, you know, 80 to 100 sure. or 120 milligrams, like the big ones. And they were giving me those, you know, and so like, uh, I was crushing that up and the Zannies and snorting them. You know what I mean? That was, that right. was like I said, like if I didn't, if I wasn't smoking stuff, I was snorting right. and that was my like fix. Like I love, love to snort. Yeah. And so like I was on that bad, like for the first three years of our marriage, I was uh, taking and snorting pills. And then I was drinking on top of that from the time I woke up until the time I went to bed. And, uh, so getting to the end of of the question that you asked a while back about how how did i really dig myself out or what was the end um after being married for three years and still struggling with pharmaceutical and, and alcohol addiction like i was always running out of pills a week 10 days early and you know then you got to be sick for a week before they're going to give you the refill and so I would have to call the doctor, make up some story, or I'd have to lie about this or that, and or I just have to be sick and deal with it. Like one or the other, like it was always a bad deal at the end of every month, like mm -hmm. there's every time. And uh, like, it just got so exhausting, um, that roller coaster of being good while I got them, but when I don't got them, 
it's a freaking disaster. Yeah. Like, and it's not just a disaster for me. It's a disaster for my wife. It's a disaster for my parents. It's a disaster for my friends. And so like, just kind of getting to the point where not just that, but like, you really just really don't want to do this anymore. Like, I just remember wanting to die. Yeah. Like, I do not want to do this anymore. I cannot figure this out. Like, and uh, just being at the complete end of, of just not knowing really what to do yeah. and being at the complete end of myself. Um, but I'm pretty sure I called on uh, my parents, came over, my wife, and, and I'm pretty, if I remember correctly, I think we all had like a pretty serious powwow. And um, I think I had made it, that decision and I just said, I'm done. Like, I, I don't even remember how I was able to come to the point of making that decision. I just remember the the gravity of how I felt and the fact that I wanted to die. Like I really sure. wanted to die. Sure. And that scared me um, to the point where I was like, all right, I really got to figure this out. Like I got to stop. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I got to stop. And, um, you know, at that point, that's that's when the CBD first came into the picture for me. Um, you know, I I had heard about CBD help being helpful for people with pain, people with anxiety, uh, people in my situation, and yeah. I was like, you know, let's give it a try. Let's see if because I had always smoked weed, but it was always like an it was always just like for that extra buzz, like on top of the opiates, right. on top of the alcohol, like just to give it that extra little kick you know it was never like i never used it really medically sure at that time um and so i just wanted to get high so the c when i started finding you know out what cbd was and how it had the potential to help i was very uh interested in getting some and so sure. i uh i found a, a local guy in the cannabis community um and he had some cbd uh, pure CBD isolate, um, like I was telling you about earlier. Right. And uh, I was able to purchase six grams of CBD isolate, this white powder. And, uh, you know, I, I was like, oh, wow, I got a, got a big jar of some white powder. What do I do with this? You know, and so went home, kind of uh, started watching some YouTube videos um, about, you know, how to infuse CBD into coconut oil. Um, I wanted to make the CBD capsules. Sure. And so watched a few videos, kind of took some pointers off of YouTube and made my own batch, um, made the capsules, started taking them that, you know, right away. And, um, you know, I was amazed that like I got through day one, um, got through day two, you know, day three, day four, like, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, and the withdrawals actually, you know, cause I cold turkey coming off of uh, morphine, Xanax and alcohol, cold turkey. Oh shit! I was on those three every day for three years straight. Yeah, so like I, I hear this crazy detox and I mean, it's, it's enough to kill you, honestly. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not supposed to really do that. And so to anybody out there that is, you know, going to come off of, any pharmaceuticals um i definitely would highly recommend that you speak with your doctor before detox, doing that yeah. um i'm not saying that it can't be done but i'm saying that that's what what i did um but god god's plan for me was for me to do that that was his plan for me yeah. I'm not saying it's his it's his plan that everybody be sober for sure he doesn't want anybody to yeah. be you know hooked on drugs and alcohol but you know the method of getting off you know is definitely individual and, and needs yeah. to be um talked about with the doctor but that being said the doctors don't want you off of it so that's what makes it complicated right because the doctors are the ones that th they are the dealers yeah okay to a certain extent and so you know they're um, you know, so we have these drugs that are, uh, you know, being pushed onto the, to the community as a whole. And, um, I'm not saying that every doctor is a drug dealer, but I'm saying that there are doctors out there that they are incentivized by pharmaceuticals um, and they get big bonuses, um, from these pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Watch and, um, the Hulu show dope sick. Exactly, yeah, bro. A good, like, a good illustration. Like we're we're starting to know now what these dudes were doing, you know, back in the late '90s, early 2000s, yeah. when this oxy came out, and it is sickening. 
Yeah. Like it is really sickening. Like, uh, I haven't actually watched the dope sick one, but there was another one that, that came out like a year or two crime of the century. I watched that one two part. Like I was pissed, bro. Like when I, like when I saw what, like it was infuriating, like, and, uh, so, but yeah, um, they made it very accessible to me and I chose to cold Turkey come off of all that stuff with CBD for me, I was able to do it, and um, the CBD really helped kind of calm yeah. the withdrawals down and um, just make it something that was, you know, doable. Yeah. And um, yeah, well, and it's that's one of the reasons I really want to talk to you is that, and as you did, and thank you owning this is my process, but it's a it's an interesting one because I know for me, you know, alcohol was a cold turkey thing. People, oh, you might need to taper down. It's like. There is no taper down for me. You, you, you know, I would literally need someone to sit there and go, okay, tonight it's only nine beers. Tomorrow it's only a six pack. Yeah. And then we're going to go to three. Then, to t- you know, there was no taper down. It was, no. it was, I was an all or nothing. So I had to be an all or nothing. Yeah. You know, but it's fascinating for you, not only the way that you approach it with the CBD, but not just to help lessen in the withdrawal symptoms, but you were dealing with a lot of physical stuff like you said you had incurred some physical injuries through your substance use that that now you still and you've rolled into you know green thumb naturals it's pretty fascinating how then this took you to helping other people that seek the help that you offer yeah so how did you get it really when did it start going like wow this works for me i'm this i'm pretty passionate about this i think you know this is what i want to do to be of service to others yeah um so what happened so how that happened was uh i i was working a job at that time i was part-time washing dishes at this restaurant up the street from my house and uh the guys that i worked with um they uh after the boss would leave they would drink and they would do lines of coke and stuff like that in the back you know and uh they would offer it to me you know and uh, i was the dishwasher so uh and I would be like, hey, hey, bro, like, I don't want that. Like, do you mind not asking me if I want any? You know, I'm trying to actually be sober right mm-hmm. now. You know, do you guys mind not, if you are going to do that, do you mind like going to the bathroom like a normal cokehead and go do your line in the bathroom? Right. Like, why do we have to do that right here by the where we do the meat at? Yeah. You know, like, and so like they didn't respect that and they kept either doing it in front of me or asking me if I wanted any. And it was to the point where like I was just getting clean and I was like, I'm not going to be able to get clean here. Like I'm not going, like, I know I can say no now, but like there's going to come a day where I'm not going to have the strength to say no to that. And I'm going to do it if I stay here. So I knew at that point, like I had to quit that job and, uh, I walked out the back door and told them I quit. And I told them, uh, they all knew that I was trying to start a, uh, a company you know i wasn't sure at that time what it was going to be whether it was going to be cannabis or cbd or i, I just sure, had no sure. clue and uh but i told him i said i'm gonna start you know a company that that helps people with with products that help and uh they all laughed at me and uh and then i quit the job and uh walked out started making these products at home um it worked for me and i would say within like even a couple weeks or a month of me being sober like i was already trying to a few months okay see i don't remember everything that's why i have to confirm you know i'm glad i did um so yeah so a few months after being sober um i started an instagram um at first it was 559 green thumb k um because i didn't even have a name for the business i was just a dude that made cbd and i wanted to try and help people and uh eventually that instagram got deleted whether it was uh instagram or the haters i don't know i still don't know but somebody reported my page and it got deleted so at that point i kind of uh, birthed the idea in my mind of green thumb naturals and um yeah started the instagram um and uh i had uh like i said just that one product the cbd capsules and uh i um, I bought little bottles off Amazon and my wife would help me design this little label that we would go to Kinko's and print, uh, with this, you know, little tiny Avery label, you know, that we would put on the bottles. And, um, you know, we had, had a few clients and, um, I actually got a, 
uh, smoke shop in Tulare called uh, Tulare's Finest Smoke Shop. Uh, they are the first account to ever carry Green Thumb Naturals. Huh. And so shout out uh, Moises over there and um, super good guy. And, uh, you know, it's just the, you know, one by one, the people kept coming, you know, sure. that, that wanted help with CBD. And, you know, a lot of these, when I first got into it, CBD was very, very expensive. You know, we're talking right. over a hundred dollars for a product, um, you know, and I couldn't even afford to buy my own CBD. That's why I had to like buy it in bulk and like make my own little products. And then, you know, I could only afford to take my CBD if I sold it, Right. you know, like that was how I could afford to take it. And so it was super expensive. There wasn't much CBD out there. And uh, my mission was to create quality products that worked and offer them at a fair price. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, we just, uh, it kept like helping more people with, with different things than even what, what it was helping me with. Sure, because I and asked you, because I, I, about, the, um, you know, anything THC free or whatever it is. And, you know, I think people have that misconception about it, like, oh, I'm going to get high or whatever. Yeah. But no, I've, you know, I mean, maybe seeing it here, I'm cracking my neck and my shoulders. Yep. But, you know, you were telling me about the bombs and kindly bought, brought me some. And, you know, it's like, I want to try this because I don't want to use yeah. pills and Tylenol. And, you know, yep. uh, I refuse to have muscle relaxers or anything else, but it gets that bad. So yeah. it's, you know, people's misconception is that it's, Oh, it's going to get me high. No, it's so many different utilizations that it can for, yeah. you know, internal and external medical Correct. issues. Because I've heard people have taken it for um, gut inflammation yep. and all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, there's just a plethora of different reasons that, you know, different folks have taken CBD and, and are, you know, see relief and results. Sure. Um, but yeah, as far as our products, um, everything is going to be derived from hemp. Um, and so... Uh, hemp is a variety of cannabis, but it's the variety that is very high in CBD and very low in THC. Right. And so, you know, by the time, um, you know, we get the extract and by the time we infuse the products, um, you know, we do have those THC free products available made with CBD isolate for people so that, you know, they can have that confidence that they're taking a product that has non-detectable levels of THC. Sure. And so, you know, for especially like, uh, you know, we obviously don't uh, recommend this and, you know, we don't suggest it, but we do have clients that use our products with children. Um, yeah. That's totally up to, you know, the parent. Um, well, I've heard that for kids that have seizures. Yeah. They've used CBD yeah. for that. Correct. Again, we're not giving a recommendation. Yep. We're just sharing from our experience, but yeah. Yeah. And so it's really wild. Like what, um, you know, we have, you know, clients who use it with their kids. Um, you know, we have, uh, have a, brand hempy paws so we have people that use it for their dogs and cats um and then we have you know the whole uh you know blue collar middle-aged working class you know sure. that that has aches and pains and like you you know they don't want to be on pills they want to use something that's going to take care of you know the inflammation with right. the, the aches and you know they want to be able to wake up the next morning and go yeah. you know um and so our products um provide that for a lot of people yeah. and i'm not saying that it does that for every person every time um and you know since we're since we're on the subject um you know cbd has the potential to help everybody that doesn't mean that it's right for everybody in every situation and so you know uh, there's a lot of companies out here that are just like all they want to do is sell cbd sure and that's their you know they've got you know th th they've got numbers to achieve here you know they've got investors right. that are you know they're waiting for their checks you know and so luckily like uh we we don't have any investors at this point i shouldn't say luckily we we need some investors you know hopefully <laughs> at some point but uh fact of the matter is at this point in time we don't have any investors um we still own the business 100 percent. so i don't have anybody you know knocking on my door asking me how much i sold this month right. asking me you know whatever like and at the end of the day like the sales that are supposed to come in they come in yeah. and uh you know at the end of the day like if i want to do sales i just as long as i keep in mind that what we're doing is helping people as long as we continue to help people the sales will come and that's just going to be secondary to helping people and so 
trying to really lead with that mentality on a daily basis and really like work that mission into, you know, the values of what my wife and I do with, with the business is super important to me. And, uh, we, we, you know, we wouldn't be here without the community and, and just like the way that people have got behind what we do and, yeah. um, just like been like, you know what, I'm gonna support this guy and his wife, you know, we're going to share it with our family and friends. And, um, it's just been really cool to, to be on this journey at this point, you know? Yeah. Right on, man. If people want to find out more about uh, yeah. Green Thumbs, uh, Green Thumb Naturals, how do they do so? Yeah, so uh, we're most uh, we're most live on Instagram, sure. um, Green Thumb Naturals, uh, one word, and they can find us there. Our pet brand is Hempy Paws, and that's H E M P I E P A W S. Um, and so you could find us on either of those pages. Uh, we do have a website, greenthumbnaturals.com. Um, and my email is my first name, Kalen, K-A-L-A-N at greenthumbnaturals.com. Anybody that has any questions at all about, you know, CBD, how, uh, you know, a product might impact them or, uh, if they, uh, have questions about, recovery um have questions about my story um if they have struggles in their life and they just want to chat uh we're, we're always here to listen and and uh you know develop relationships Absolutely. and so well in a few minutes i'm going to ask you to leave us with some uh, final thoughts maybe just from yep. your life experience but first random questions are you okay. ready yeah okay, these are it. fun uh i mean you're a pretty mellow guy but you have to have some pet peeves just things that irk you yeah. I can uh, hear the, people can't hear but your wife is giggling about this uh, Irk is going to be a slammed door okay people who slam doors yeah that that irks me um, if you could have dinner with any one person living or not who would it be great question man you know uh, just off the top of my head I would want to have dinner with uh, a musician named Jelly Roll Oh yeah, yeah. You know Jelly Roll? I did. I've tried to, to get him here on here. Dude, he's the man, bro. Yeah. No, I like Jelly Roll. Yeah. Especially this uh this last album really caught me more. Oh, so he's been killing other it. Stuff. Yeah, we're hearing dude on the radio now, you know what I mean? Like yeah. on the local radio stations and uh it's like I I found his music when I was out in Omaha, Nebraska and um you know, he's he's an artist who uh, really tells stories about his own life and about his own, you know, the hard knocks that he's taken. Um, and so, like uh, his song uh, "After the Rain," um, his song uh, "Dream While I'm Awake," um, those are two of my favorites. And um, also "Talk to God," mm. but uh, you know, he's just like I me and him have bonded on so many levels you know i've never even met the guy right. but like with his like his music has had such a like place in in helping me through the dark times like and giving like he was a voice of that it was going to get better and that it was going to be okay like even when i didn't even believe it myself sure and um so like he's just a super cool dude bro like and uh to see how his music has evolved and and how he's just stuck with his like he just keeps on man yeah. and like you know i know he's been he's he's had a hard life and he's oh, been through yeah. a lot too so um just to see him in the success that that he's in in his life right now um is super cool and uh like i've hit him up on every way that possible to try and i've even sang some of his songs like <laughs> uh he has the song i'm sure you've heard it son of a sinner yeah that's the one bro yeah. like i love that song so i you know jelly if you're listening brother <laughs> i got a big package for you from green thumb naturals man and some hempy paws for your dogs at home please let me know brother I'd love to send that to you and uh if we can get dinner in bro i i got the bill brother let me know yeah you never know life life has a weird way when you put stuff out in the universe of working out manifest baby let's go uh hey thanks this has been a blast um if for anyone that's out there you know not necessarily just struggling from uh addiction maybe it's their family members or just some of these mental health struggles what, what kind of advice and knowledge might you want to drop yeah um well first and foremost uh you know it's important that everybody knows that anyone can change um there isn't a person on this planet who cannot uh, get clean and sober and so 
we have a purpose that God put us here to do and finding out, you know, what that is for the individual. And once you find your purpose, and that's why I feel like people don't, a lot of people are lost because they don't know what their purpose is. They're like, why am I here? Absolutely. To work at Jack in the box, to, to pack up gutters, to get on a home to home Depot truck and get shipped down highway 99. That's what I'm, that's what I'm here to do. Yeah. You know, but like, there's so much more purpose than just these jobs that we have. And, you know, um, and so like, like leading and guiding people into realizing there's a bigger purpose for their lives than, than, than just what they can see and, um, helping people just have that thought and then start to like go down that, that road is, I feel like a good thing, you know, for a lot of people. Yeah. Kaylin, thanks, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Jason, for having me. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. Strengthening communities, providing resources, building awareness, empowering youth in need to overcome adversity and achieve success. This is what the Carlos Vieira Foundation is all about. Through our campaigns, the race for autism, race to end the stigma, and race to be drug free, we're able to help so many in need. Our goal is to provide support to families and children and give these families opportunities that might not normally arise. Learn more and find out how you can get involved. Visit carlosvierafoundation.org today. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.